If you're listening to this podcast in real time, you may or may not know that we're both celebrating our podcast launch and the launch of our brand new Mum Safe Trainer offering. If you're a trainer that works with mums and wants to be known as the go-to trainer for mums in your area, you need to head to www.jendugard.com forward slash trainer and find out more. I'll see you there. Welcome to the Mum Safe Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Dugard, and today I'm welcoming a longtime colleague, friend, and ally in the quest for safe and effective exercise for women at every stage of motherhood. I'd like to welcome Michelle Wright, or as we know her, Mish. After a decade of teaching, Mish started her second career as a group fitness instructor and personal trainer. Mish is the founder of the multi-award winning fitness business franchise, Mish Fit, which specialized in training women. For over 15 years, Mish has been writing, presenting, educating, and mentoring fitness professionals in business, women's health, and training older adults. Mish is the founder of the Women's Health and Fitness Summit, which she ran between 2014 and 2019, that really brought together fit pros and allied health professionals to start relationships and conversations that are still resonating today. In 2021, Mish was awarded the Oz Active Educator of the Year Award and in 2022 was a finalist for New Zealand Educator of the Year. Mish is passionate about educating everyone in the fitness industry in what she calls the missing education of women's health. Mish has created Evolution, an online program to help women navigate exercise no matter what their age or stage. Welcome, Mish. Mish, welcome to the Mum Safe Movement podcast. Hi, Jen. Great to be here. I'm going to start every podcast. This is episode, technically episode one, apart from the first two that I've done where people can get to know who I am. But we're going to start every podcast with a guest asking you to share with us a word in which you're showing up today. And it doesn't have to be a good word, as in it doesn't have to be all positive if that's not where you're at today. Um, A win and something that you're working on. Okay, so um, I think the word would have to be a little bit groggy. I, as you know, have been having long COVID and some days are better than others. And yeah, today is a little a little groggy, which means my head is very heavy. Um, a bit like waking up with a hangover, actually, okay. uh, which, which kind of takes me to my win. I published my blog last night about giving up alcohol. So I don't have a hangover. Um, I have a long COVID hangover, perhaps is more apt. Um, And the blog is about, um, I gave up drinking and it's seen, it's about how to quit mummy wine time, um, which is a really socially acceptable thing to do. And it seems to be hitting a lot of people. I'm getting a lot of messages from that. And what am I working on? Um, so I am filming later on today, probably after my breakfast and some coffee. Um, I am working on my presentation, which will be a masterclass for working with um, training to fatigue. Mm. So um, not just for trainers, but for any woman who... Uh, is working with either long COVID like myself or has fatigue from chronic fatigue or PM, which is post-exercise malaise, or even just having menopausal symptoms that kind of wrap all of that up. Um, During my own COVID journey, I have researched a lot, experienced a lot, and come up with some strategies that um, I think not only trainers can use, but just general women. So um i'm going to film that later today amazing let's circle back for a second to the alcohol thing so i'm 316 days i have a counter on my phone alcohol free what was your reason mish um so i i had been experiencing some neurological glitches and when i was experiencing episodes of deja vu I know that sounds weird, but it's actually a symptom of epilepsy. And then when I got COVID, they went like, and during that time, I was like, something weird is happening in my brain. And then just tidy up my act. Mm. And so I real, 
it's been bugging me for a long time how much I drink and how poorly it serves me. Um, and so I'd been doing lots of different things on and off. But, yeah, when I got COVID, um, everything was really bad. I thought I had a brain tumour. And so I had to go and see a neurologist. And I don't have a brain tumour. But that made – it was like a, a kick in the pants to say, do you know what, um, I'm not fucking around with this. I – I have a really good brain. Yeah. Um, it is the thing that I want to protect as much as I can. And I am, I'm going to fucking protect it. And I know that alcohol does not help my brain. And as well as uh, the research is very clear around breast cancer and all of those things. So, and I tied all into this is menopause and you know, I think when you turn 50 or go through menopause, it's almost like this gateway where you can design the new you. How do you want to spend the next third of your life? Because it's not like your life is over 50 years kind of, you know, halfway really. Yeah. Uh, if you live a very long life, but say you live to the average age for women, which is, you know, in your 80s, I've got another 30 odd years. So my health is um, is really is really key and of course I love exercise so and eating well so that's not really an issue for me but alcohol um is and I cutting back wasn't really an option because I've done that before and basically I just slide back into my old habits so um I just bit the bullet and yeah it it's been hard and easy mm. um i think it's a lot more acceptable now to be uh, alcohol free there's a lot more options but things like you know i i went to europe last month i go to the Qantas club uh, we've always started every single trip off with some french champagne at Qantas club and i would never not drink the wine that they <laughs> that they give on the plane so all of those firsts are, although they are hard to imagine and kind of hard to do after a while, they start to empower you and you get this kind of momentum of like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a non, I'm a non drinker. Um, I've just written the follow up blog last night about kind of, you know, the first part of giving up alcohol was being curious about yeah. what your life would look like. So you kind of, look around and think oh this is like a new outfit that I could wear you know and so I can dress up in this and I can be this person this person is a non-drinker because really it's a mind shift um yeah so I I I don't like to say I'm never going to drink again though that's the reality of what I feel like is yep. the answer my answer is always just well I'm just not drinking today. Yeah. I think um, what you said about it's been easy and not easy really hit home for me. And my experience was that I would wake up at midnight, one o'clock, even after only two glasses of wine, and I would wake up and go, I'm never fucking drinking again because I feel like shit. And inevitably the next day I would drink again. And it just got to one point, I think my husband last dry July said, I'm going to do the last three weeks of dry July. And I kind of just needed someone to trigger me into doing that thing that had been exactly the same as you, Mish, on the back of my mind for a really long time. Like, could I not drink? Who am I if I don't drink? How do mm. I come across in social situations if I don't drink? Because I can be quite a socially anxious person. I don't feel like I make friends well. I don't feel like I speak well, but becoming that person without the alcohol has been a really interesting journey especially we've just moved to Queensland it's like how am I supposed to make friends with like the school mums if I'm not going to catch up over a glass of wine and I've not made friends with any of the school mums so I don't actually know how I'm still going to do that but yeah I think we we digressed a bit there but I think it's a really important and valuable conversation the the no alcohol yeah 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 look I um I think it's a lot more acceptable now. It is. To, and there's lots of options. So, um, you know, taking some non-alcoholic beer and just kind of sliding under the radar. But, yeah, it's – although I'm uh, – I love being social and I really don't need alcohol to do that, I have a lot of relationships, especially even in the fitness industry mm-hmm. where 
it's all about presenting at a conference and going out drinking going for afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I had that November last year and um, it was easier because I think people now have been unwell um, to accept it. They stopped. They wouldn't because it's a, it's a look, we know it, Jen, it's a, in the fitness industry. It's a, it's a boys club. Yeah. Still. Well, we're going to get there. <laughs> we are going to get there. Yeah. But, you know, um, especially in conferences, you know, there's only a, there's only a few women who are presenting at the, at that level. Mm. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a blokey environment and I've always been able to bloke up and hang out. So yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, I've been, I must've been doing it for a long time because they accept me as a non-drinker. Maybe. I think if you just bring the energy without the alcohol and and that's kind of on on you, it's on me to bring the energy without feeling like I need the alcohol to bring the energy and to just get on with it. And some days I can do that and some days I really can't. So I need to not be in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good strategy. Mm. All right. Let's, let's circle back. So tell me, Mish, we, we met, I did a bit of research this morning. We met in 2011 at the Osmanpreneur Conference in Sydney. You were based in, well, you're still based in Melbourne. I was based in Sydney, which I was until the beginning of this year. You were up for the uh, Rising Star Award, which means you'd been in business for two to five years. See, I did my research. Um, And I was in the service (laughs) business, (laughs) the service business of the year award. Neither of us won the top award on that night, but we did meet each other. Um, Tell me a little bit about pre that because you had already started to franchise Mishfit. Um, what mm. I'm really interested in, so the, the goal of this podcast for me to talk to you is one, let's talk to Mish because it's my first one and I don't need to be nervous because she's amazing. Um, <laughs> two, we've really been in this space for a really long time. And I think that we still know that there's a lot of there's a lot of work to be done when it comes to working with mums and women, mums of all ages and stages. But we started somewhere and that somewhere mm. for me was Marley's 14, 14 years ago. And for you, similar, maybe even longer. So go back to why you got into working with mums in the first place. Sure. Well, as you know, I fitness was my second career. I was a teacher and, um, and I, I love teaching. But I, uh, when I moved to Australia, you know, I had a very unfortunate uh, situation. And I can say it in like three sentences to get it out of the way if people haven't heard my story. But I had my daughter, Millie, in London, and then I'm a Kiwi, but I didn't quite want to move back to New Zealand. So my husband and I, we had friends in Melbourne. So we decided we would move to Melbourne. And within a year, we bought a house renovated it i got pregnant and then my husband left for a woman that he had met six weeks before mm. who was as he said his um soulmate uh yeah it didn't work out but there you go um so he told me about that and um and i told him to his stuff would be by the fucking door <laughs> Um, and, and I kicked him out. He, I asked him if he was going to leave her and he said, no, uh, but he thought he could, we could just still live together for till Max was born. Yeah. Really interesting. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. So I had very few, I had very few friends. I had no family. I had a toddler and I was heavily pregnant with my second child. Um, I have never suffered from depression. Um, and interestingly, when Max was born, I was put on antidepressants. But I think we know a lot more about trauma now. Mm. Like, really, I was having post-traumatic stress. You know, I'd had a very traumatic birth with Millie. And then this was supposed to be the, the kind of birth that made things all better. And it was ended up being, you know, a shit show. So I had a girlfriend, um, a friend in London. She was a Kiwi. I used to teach with her. Um, basically, I had people fly in and support me. I was not alone, actually, until Max was nine months old. That's incredible. Yeah. But this one friend, so my mum came over, and then my brother came over first of all, and my mum, and then someone else came over. Um, and then 
Paula's came and she, I picked her up from the airport. She was leaving London for good and going back to New Zealand to live for good um, and to get married and all that stuff. And I picked her up from the airport and I said, how long are you going to be with me? And she said, oh, until I know you're on your feet. She stayed with me for six weeks. And during that time, she said, okay, what are we going to do for exercise today? So we did something because I, I used to, I used to swim in London and I walked everywhere. Um, I dieted, so that kept me very trim <laughs> for London. Nice. Um, but I, I, I did aerobics, but I never, I don't think I ever even owned a gym membership. Yep. You know, that was an identity that wasn't me. At school, I was, I was terrible at sport. I couldn't catch a ball. You know, that, that thing where the teacher does choose your, choose who's going to be in your team. But you're there till the last person. <laughs> me and Alison McWilliam. Oh. Yeah, yep. and often I was the last one. Yeah. So um, my, I've got two older brothers. They're sporty, but I, I love reading. I love reading and writing. I always imagined I'd be a teacher. You know, I'm just a complete book nerd. And, and so it's such a random, random identity. In fact, if you'd, you know, gone to anyone I grew up with, even up to high school and, and all of that and said, this is going to be a fitness professional, they would have fallen off their chair. But what it did for me was kind of save my life. Mm. Like um, it, it helped me cope with everything, being fit and being strong. And it was like this drug that was, you know, truly amazing. And so um, I, when Max uh, was born and obviously in a couple of years, um, so, you know, it, I was going to the gym it, and I went every day because they had a crash. So I could have a couple of hours break from my children, which was important. Um, and yeah, and then I did go back teaching because I was a, single mother with a mortgage um so I had to work um I I just I just hated it it was horrible rushing to get my kids into daycare mm. to then look after other people's kids I used to be 100% in teaching and I just couldn't be and it was just hideous and the worst thing was this just so inactive with being yeah. a teacher and so I could feel that black hole opening up again so I made this radical decision to become a fitness professional. My goal was to, because I love body pump, I thought if I can be a body pump instructor, I will have really hit the big time. Nice. Yeah, so that was my goal. And um, so I remember telling my mum that I was going to back to study to become a fitness professional, and she was just mortified. You've got a degree, you know, like. <laughs> How old were you then, Mish, when you changed? Um, so... Um, I was 32. Yep. Cool. 32. So before I did that, before I studied though, um, I took a year where I really went hard at the gym. Like I really stepped it up because I had this image of what a fitness professional looked like. And I was determined to be that. And although I'd had, a, um, you know, a really traumatic birth after Millie, I didn't have any issues. And I think that was because I didn't go to the gym. Yeah. I walked, I, I didn't have a car in London. So I walked everywhere with her um, and just kind of lived life. Um, and then with Max, I had a C-section. So I, I had no, I had no pelvic floor issues, even after Maxi, you know, because as you know, having a C-section doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to, you know, so I, I didn't have any, I didn't have any issues, but it was that year when I was going hard mm. that I started to leak and I started to have incontinence. So I just thought, oh, that's a bit random, but I'll just wear a, um, a panty liner. By the time. So Did you do I, that though? Did you just simply pick up a panty liner and that was the solution? Yeah. Okay. Didn't tell anyone. Yep. And then I went from a panty line. I know that when I was teaching body pump, I was wearing a full blown pad. Okay. And it was at that point, and I had started my business. I'd started getting training, training clients. 
um, and I wanted to work with mums because that's where I was. Um, I'd done a couple of courses, but there was, even in those back then. There were no courses, were there? What were the courses well, that you did? Um, well, it was there was only one. Yeah. That was, and I don't remember pelvic floor even being a really major thing. It was it obviously didn't, I was experiencing it and I didn't, and I didn't know about the word prolapse either. Yeah. So I'd done education in this space and still. Or as much as you could at the time, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The, as much as I could at the time. So it was, yeah, when I was teaching body pump and like, you know, when you're on stage and all those eyes are right at your crutch level. And I was like getting really, oh my God, people better tell I've got a pad on. Mm. It just so like, fuck, I've got to sort this out. So I went to see my doctor and I literally thought she was going to go. <laughs> and those people listening, you know, like, what the fuck? You're the, how, you know. You're the only person on this earth who is leaking, who is weighing themselves when they do exercise. And um, anyway, so she sent me off to a pelvic health physiotherapist, a women's health physiotherapist at Royal yeah. Women's, which I didn't even know what it was. It was just a physio. I went along to the appointment. Anyway, she got me to, she put her fingers up inside me, got me to squeeze, do all this. And I was busy saying how, I mean, I, I, pro, I remember I even went in my gym gear because I was, you know, my misfit uniform. That's kind of how I lived every day. And I was telling her about what I was doing and she just spat at me. It was the most terrible, <sighs> terrible experience. She said to me, because she didn't have any idea about my backstory of why exercise was so important to me. Mm. And also, and I, I don't know if you get this, and certainly I got this a lot when I first started, is when I would go to things in my uniform, people assumed I had no brains. They assumed I was dumb because I was a fitness professional. And I found myself even saying at different times, I've got a degree in education. Do you know, I'm, I can tell by what you're saying and how, you know, that you think that I don't, I'm not intelligent because of my profession. Um, so, you know, there's all that. Anyway, she said I to think me. Just, just on that mission, and I want yeah. to come back to your story, but I think that's really, it's something that I definitely forgotten that for a long time there, we had to justify the fact that we knew stuff. As, a, yeah. as an exercise professional and obviously there's stuff that we don't know Definitely. but I do remember the early days like going in to see a, a pelvic health or you know connect with a women's or pelvic health physio and having to kind of come across as look I know I don't know as much as you but I do know some stuff and let's work together so yeah I think when we think about where we've come from and there's definitely still medical professions medical professionals and allied health professionals that still don't think that exercise professionals know enough to be working with this demographic, but I think it's really good to highlight the fact that we do. Yes. Yeah. I, th I think those people should be given a wide berth. They should take a long walk or for short plank. Or we can, um, we could say to them, Hey, you know, how about we have a conversation about what we do know before we pass judgment on what we don't know. Yeah. Look, I think you're right, and it, I, I know we'll talk about it, but the Women's Health and Fitness Summit, I think, was a was a yeah. turning point in the history for um, allied health and fitness working together that has changed those conversations. Yeah. 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 But my first experience with a pelvic health physiotherapist or a women's health physiotherapist, as they were called back then, was she said to me that I – and remember, she's got no idea about how important fitness is to me. She just viewed me in my uniform as, you know, some kind of unintelligent being who is just rah-rah for the gym. Uh, she said, you have to stop doing what you're doing because otherwise you're going to have a prolapse and then you're going to have to have surgery to fix it. Oh, my God. And I was just like, what's a prolapse? I had no idea what that was. She didn't tell me what it was. and But more what I heard was I was going to have to have surgery to fix it, which I, I'm i a single mother, so um, I can't go to hospital. Uh, you know, I can't do that. No lifting, no 
all those sort of things. So, which is completely wrong anyway. Yeah. She was just scaring me. And, and, and then it was just like, I can't stop what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If I stop what I'm doing, I'm a mess. You know, like exercise keeps me sane, keeps me alive. You know, it's so med- so much more. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so I, and I, I didn't know what a prolapse was. And so I went, she, she told me the basics, that my pelvic floor was weak and that I was leaking. So I went, I, I never forget this. I literally, you know, with my house mm-hmm. uh, where I used to live, I ran up the stairs, pulled out all my textbooks from my bookshelf and opened it up to look Try and find the, prolapse. <laughs> oh, pelvic floor. Let's just start with pelvic, pelvic floor. floor. Yep. Um, and it wasn't even there. Yeah. And then that, it was just like, what the fuck? And this thing is happening to me. And, and, you know, exercise was the cause of it. Mm exercising inappropriately without understanding of my pelvic floor. And the option was there was no other B option. I was not going to stop exercising. So I needed to find out everything. So, um, I, I met my first other pelvic health physiotherapist who was fantastic. And she, um, she used real time ultrasound for me to see how to contract my pelvic floor. And, and, you know, and so that was the start of my business really, is that I partnered with her. So I would get mums in, but I would say, you need to do this basic care package where you go and have your, um, you have real time ultrasound on your pelvic floor. Now people listening to this will know that Real time, or maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. Real time ultrasound is not the be all and end all. It has some limitations. But you know, asking someone to go get fingers up their vagina, especially after they've given birth, that's really can be hard um, to begin with. Yeah, yeah, it can be really, really hard. Where this is a really soft, easy in, and then if there are issues, they're in the right place to ask them, and then they can go that extra step to have a much more um, uh, a better accurate uh, assessment with yeah with the digital um but yeah working with her so we we had a relationship and she helped me um she she saw me as an equal because i i said to her women aren't going to you they're coming to me Mm -hmm. because they want to take your words get their body back yep right they want to get their body back they're coming to see me they are, it's not even, I mean, I'm, I'm a fitness professional. I didn't even know this existed. What so year they, was this mesh? Do you remember what year it was? Oh my God. So I just did some maths of my own and I've, I've got, you've got, you're in Melbourne doing what you're doing. And I started Body Beyond Baby in 2008, three months after Marley was born. So it must've been, was it around that time or a little bit earlier? Oh, no, no, earlier? it was three or four. Yeah. Probably about three years before that. Yeah. 2005. Yeah. So you were um, because, probably one of the very first people who started working with women's health physiotherapists as an exercise professional. That was, that was, um, I didn't know any others and, yep. and that is what I thought I would franchise. Yeah. That, that relationship. So for each franchise, part of the setup is that I would find a pelvic health physiotherapist near their, um, the franchise and I would go in, I had this kind of, um, presentation yeah i gave to them about the benefits for them and how it would work and how it would benefit them getting new clients in and that we were both after the same thing um so yeah it it was um a novel concept way back then but yeah i i still don't have a prolapse and um yay (laughs) and i learned how to teach women mm. how to um work with exercise and and this happened from just kind of trying things out myself and then I had a ready-made market that I would try it on and then because I'm a teacher so I I, I wrote it all as a curriculum yeah you know 
remember my background as teaching. teaching. Yeah. I'm a little and, bit, little bit envious of that sometimes when you're like, yeah, I just do these things. And I'm like, writing a course is like pulling teeth. I love the end result, but the writing of the course, man, it's like writing a book. It's hard. It's really hard. It is, well, I it find is, it really hard. <laughs> yeah, it is hard, but it, it is like, I, I, I liken it to, so, um, you know, when your children were learning to read, right? Yeah. It's this kind of, they're doing the whole looking at the pictures and they're pointing to words and doing all that kind of thing. And then it's like, I don't know if you experienced this. I did as a teacher, lots of times. <laughs> like, it's like a light goes on. Yes. I know one day they couldn't well. read. Yeah. One day they couldn't read. The next day they're off. Yeah. They like get it. But it, it isn't magic. What has happened is that you've taught phonics, you've taught this, you've taught this, you've taught this, you've taught this, all in isolation. And then when they kind of get it, move it together, um, then it goes. So when you're looking, and that analogy can be um, an approach for learning any new skill mm. that can be difficult. So, yes, it can be difficult to understand how to work with your pelvic floor when you're doing complicated movements, for example. But if you do each of the things in isolation and really understand them and break them down into bits, that when it comes together, it is like that light turning on. And, and, and that's how I approached it when I was teaching women how to use their pelvic floor. And I still to this day have women randomly messaging me because, you know, by the stage I've taught hundreds, if not thousands of women, yeah. you know, because through the franchise and all of that, messaging me saying, I've just started a new class and I can see the women in front of me going help the leather and I know they don't know. What <laughs> I know that I can do it and I'm not, I can still do the same thing. You know, it's not about that first women's health physio who said to me, you have to stop running, not that I ever run, you know, but stop high cardio, stop lifting heavy weights. That is not the answer. Yeah. I was a single mother. I had a runaway. I had a runner for a second child, so I had to run, Yeah, you know, and he was a, you saw Maxie, he was a fat baby. He was a really big, fat baby, a big, fat toddler. Now he's huge, right? We know that was going to yeah. happen, but I had to lift him everywhere. He didn't walk for a very long time. So, you know, this kind of, you can't do weights. Well, that's just, that's just stupid. As a mother, you are lifting weights, Absolutely. you know, or, and you're running if you even if you don't like running there are times when you have to run so you know you have to train your body to to work with that not just you know sit like a special wallflower on the on the side of life yeah i i do agree with that and i think that um i'm interested Mish, in what you feel like has changed so if we we go back then there was the physio that scared you into not exercising again and then i'm so excited that you went and got a second yeah. <laughs> so excited that you went and got a second opinion because that second women's health physio was a game changer what was her name who is she uh jennifer langford in cool. clifton hill shout uh, out she's... to jennifer <laughs> yeah and my version she's... of that was joe murdoch in yeah. the physiotherapy clinic in, in bonner yeah. junction and she's fantastic um, i don't know about you but the majority of my education once I'd done that initial pre and postnatal course and I think mine was one run through fitness first back in the day which um it was a pre and postnatal course but it was mostly prenatal very very little postnatal mm, so I took yes. the majority of my education from working with a women's health physio and and I I decided to do that because I got in front of the mums I'm working with and I was like I don't I actually don't know if I'm doing the right thing um, and I was it's lucky. It's horrifying. It's scary. And I, I was I, lucky I didn't really have a, a trauma story. I did have a birth where um, my pelvic, I got told my pelvic floor was too strong and I thought that was a cool, really good thing. But later on I learned that my pelvic floor was too tight and I needed to understand how to relax it. But it wasn't until, you know, probably a, a, a year or so, six months, a year into my journey of working with mums themselves that I went, I really need to know more than I know. And the course that I've done does not give me, and there's no other course. Yes. I think Jenny Burrell was probably the only other course that I did when she eventually came to Australia. But yes. where was I going to get my education from? Yes, you're right. It was all based on prenatal it and was. postnatal. And it wasn't the, even a thing. It wasn't a thing. And also, you know, it, it, I mean, it still isn't in the greater, and you talk about this all the time. I just love your work, Jen. I just 
you know, what you're doing is, um, yeah, just fantastic. I just, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, in the medical, you you know, they do the same thing, like postnatal is six weeks. Mm. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's something, it's the skills women need to learn for the rest of their life and they're just missing um, from, well, they're still missing from the qualifications that fitness professionals do today. Um, and it's, it's a travesty. And if you don't sort this shit out, it only gets worse when, um, you know, you go through perimenopause. Yeah. So, so if we, if we think back, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head of, of where we want to go with this conversation anyway, but if we think back to your first experience with a women's health physio that scared you, do you think that that's still happening? Do you think the scaring is still happening? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I have been criticised, but I've done a lot of writing of like, if you see a pelvic health physiotherapist and they tell you to stop doing exercise, mm. then you need to find another pelvic health physiotherapist. And I feel quite strongly about that. There has been a movement in, so first of all, there were only, very few pelvic health physios in Australia. Yes, yes. It, you know, there's a whole kind of back history about that. Where now it's, um, and it tended to be older women. Where now mm-hmm. in the last 10 years has been a real shift of young people doing the, the uh, qualifications to work in pelvic health. And so with that, you're getting the more diverse. They're bringing in their own, like, well, we need to be active. So there's been a real shift in in that. Um, and also, when I, especially when I first started, I remember going to, um, so I would go to the physio conferences mm-hmm. in my uniform and mm-hmm. tell people that I have a degree in education. Those are the situations when I would have to pull that out. Um, but I remember, like I had good friends on the inside, who they were all talking about me saying, what is Mish doing here? She doesn't belong here. Mm. And I didn't pretend to be a physio. My whole thing was like, you need me. You need the fitness industry. You need us to work together because women are coming to me. They're not coming to you. When they come to you, it's a lot worse. They're already broken. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't like to use that word, but yeah. No, you're right. Got, that was a reflection on they've language got, there, not a good word. <laughs> <laughs> they've got issues, right? But if we can get them before and educate them so that they can keep moving so that we can ward off things like, you know, mental health, mm. postnatal depression, all of those, as well as chronic conditions, all the wonderful things that exercise gives you. Um, but, yeah, um, we need to work together. And, and that was the motivator to... Uh, to start the Women's Health and Fitness Summit. That and also I got really annoyed at going to Phylex and panels and all of these things and it was men talking about the same thing. There might be one or two spending all that money to go to Phylex and looking at the conference and there was less than a handful of things that were of interest to me and i'm like i'm not why am i a niche i am not a niche niche. yep you know and and this should be standard education for all fitness professionals and you know i've been banging that drum for a very very long time and yeah i just yeah just and the nepotism of of the industry as well so um, I had my beef with, with Phylex. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was that I wanted to, and, and also women weren't getting speaking gigs and when they did, they often weren't that good. So they didn't get asked back, but that's because they weren't given a chance. Mm. It's really hard to get on stage and talk to people, even if you're really, um, you know, really good at what you do. It's a different whole set of skill set. And where they had nurtured um, their presenters the whole time because 
they were friends so they got the gigs every year and they got better because they presented every year women were getting the odd one they i remember my first time i presented at filex i was just terrible i was just horrible like it was a i was yeah I used to apologize to everybody. I'm so sorry. I'm nervous. <laughs> it's like, Jen, just shut the fuck up and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't have that, 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 that platform. And that's yeah. so, so that was, you know, I had kind of three goals for the Women's Health and Fitness Summit, which was to create an environment where physios and fitness found each other around women's health because they're two very important, not one is. There's not one that's more important than the no. other. Um, so we need to lift fitness up to say, actually, what you do is really, really important. And we needed to open up physios, you know, uh, mindset as well about the benefits that could come with with, um, with working with fitness. Um, and then it was about having topics that were missing from mm. our our industry event Bilex at the time um and then the third one was to help support new new presenters to stage and Jen you were I was and I remember that very first one mission you calling me and I was like yep I'll do that I was like holy fuck I get to stand on a stage and speak and it was scary but it was amazing and it was definitely you know you know when I look back at our journey together you've always been someone that I was reflecting on it this morning that you've always led led the way and created opportunity although I did reflect on so I remember and I'm, I'm going to digress a little bit from what you were saying but we'll look back to it but the very when we first met at the Osmondpreneur conference yeah. and we discovered what each other did and I know that you told me that you were franchising Mishfit and I know back then that I was like, oh, oh, but that's what I wanted to do. And it was a very different headspace than where, where we are now. And, and, you know, you and I have both leaned into collaboration over competition, but I, I wanted to talk about that on this because I was like, oh, if she's franchising Mishfit, there's no room for me to franchise Body Beyond Baby. And of course, there's so much room for everyone. And I think off the back of that, you doing the Women's Health and Fitness Summit. And then I remember sitting, watching you getting a, an award at, um, back in the, at the Fitness Australia Quality Improvement Awards. And I didn't even know those those awards were a thing. And, and you got the award and I was like, okay, cool. I can do that because Mish has done that. And it's been, <laughs> I remember then you saying to me once, I want to be on the board of Fitness Australia. And I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and there's so many things that whether you've realized it or not, that it's like, oh, when you see somebody else, either whether you, you execute and you do it or not, by simply saying, I'm going to do that. And I believe I can do that. You've created space for for me and I, I think so many other people especially through the women's health and fitness summit to do that so you know thank you for that oh very, very cool do you know I was reflecting back on our first meeting as well and isn't it funny how we all come to the party with our own issues because I remember looking at you going she really does look like a fitness professional <laughs> With the, with the disordered eating and all that kind of shit going on as well. So, you know, little does the outside package tell us. <laughs> you know, like, damn it. You know, like, I, I'm just not there. You know, so we all carry our own, you know, yeah. things. But, um, but yeah, I, I – and franchising was about that, as in, like, why should we be working in little silos – that doesn't make any sense. We need to be collaborating because this there needs to be a radical change. Yeah. And if we're all just fighting over our little our little piece plot of yeah, our little piece of the pie and kind of, oh, you know, look what she's oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not that's getting in the way mm. of the big change that needs to happen. So um yeah, I I think, and I don't think franchising was the way to go. It didn't really, it didn't really pan out for me. Yeah. Um, it was very difficult. So I was also envious of you, like taking more time and kind of thinking about it more where I'm kind of, right, I'm going to do that. And I start tomorrow. 
you know, um, you know, I just don't do it a have an event. I make one bigger than Ben Hurt. You know? <laughs> You know who you did bring to that event though when we're talking about strong women leading when um and that was when I was going through not the first summit, the last summit when Molly Molly Galbraith Molly came Galbraith. over. And I was in this space of I I'm cr- developing Body Beyond Baby and back then it was known as the Body Beyond Baby affiliate and I was I was not franchising, but I was still trying to carve up the country and go, Well, you have this bit and you have this bit. And Molly said, build a table big enough for everybody. And it yeah. was that second, and I've probably still got the note in my phone. I was like, fuck this. I'm not carving anything up because yeah. I need women to, or trainers that work with mums to understand that it does not matter if there's 10 trainers working in the same park as you or in the same yeah. suburb as you. There are thousands upon thousands of mums and women that need our help, and none of us can look after all of it, all of them. And everybody needs to hear the unique voice that speaks to them. So not everyone's mm. going to hear my voice and not everyone was going to hear the Mishfit franchise voice and and the Body Beyond Baby model wasn't right for everybody, which is, you know, hats off to you for bringing Molly, for me hearing Molly to then, you know, create this, you know, thing. Yeah. And hopefully it is an army of, of trainers changing, changing the landscape. Yeah. I'm just going to reach over here to get Molly's book out. Um, so... Strong women lift each yeah. other up. It's yeah. a really, really great read, and she she is great. And she um, is. not you know not everyone who works in our space is about collaboration. Um, and I tend to just move away from those people. I like to challenge them and say, "But why? Come it, come it! Like, look how different it is if we can be friends." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm a you know, but but yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, anyway, um, I was, yeah, we've come, we've come a long way, but it is all about, there needs to be, um, a much bigger movement than, than us. I know what I was going to say. So the, um, one of the things I used to do when I lived in New Zealand is I might not know this about me, but I volunteered for, um, for an organization called HAPE. Hamilton Abuse Intervention Pilot Project. And and what it was was that I was a counsellor for abusive men. So what they were finding in New Zealand was that domestic abuse, now this is in the um, early 90s, mm. so a long time ago, uh, domestic abuse would ring up and the police would go to a burglary beforehand. So, and then what would happen, they'd turn up and then the woman say, you know, wouldn't want to press charges. And so nothing really changed for them. So they run this project where um, police had to respond first. They put the men in jail overnight. Uh, refuge came in and supported the woman to see what she wanted to do. And then the men were sentenced to either prison or in, the, in this course or the course. And so I was a women's facilitator on mm. that course uh, of working with violent men. Um, there was a lot of flack. I used to go to uh, refuge meetings, women's refuge meetings, and some women couldn't talk to me because I was speaking to men. Mm. And sometimes I feel this is a pretty extreme kind of thing, but you have to, in order for there to be change, you have to look everybody in the eye and respect them as a person and to know that they are capable of being of, of learning and changing mm. when we know better we do better yeah and but you can't do that if you don't have that respect so you know there was a um i suppose i think there's also been a change in in education around this is just education only women are going to be interested in this education to work with women and so i know that I pitch a lot of my education to make men feel inclusive in this because, again, we're not going to get wholesale change unless we have everybody at the at the table. So it has to be relevant for them um, as well. Yeah, just like throw that in there. No, I think it's really important. So if you were if you were going to wave your magic wand, and, and we've talked a lot about where we've been and and where we are not yet. What changes would you see, Mish? If you had full control, what would we be doing different? 
In which respect? In that, let's let's go in the pre and postnatal space. And the um, let's go early pre postnatal. Um. So, I would have that every fitness professional understands how what that means. Yeah. They have a they have a baseline, and it's not extraordinary. It's incredibly ordinary that um, women are not trained like small men. Um, and yeah, I think that's the, I might think of something even more jaw dropping later, but I do think that's the nexus of it all is that I wish everybody knew that the education that fitness professionals receive is based on the research of young fit men. Mm -hmm. When you understand that it's like, I've seen so many people go, Oh, that's why I've gone to do the things that I'm supposed to be doing and it hasn't felt right for me. And I and I haven't I've I've been a square peg in a rock in a round hole and I'm made to feel to blame. Because I think that's what happens. Women get injured and they're made to feel that they're to blame. When actually there's a s- systemic issue around the education of fitness professionals. Who do you but, think the key key players are to change that, Mish? It's so tricky because I was on the board to review mm. the fuck. the qualifications. You've, are you on that now? I'm not, no, but I'm like, fuck, man, we cannot wait another three to five years for this to be done again, for change to happen. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, it's really hard. It's like a huge juggernaut. I managed to get some changes in. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's going to get changes in, it's me because I'm like. I know. I know. <laughs> A bossy bitch who will stand on my soapbox and bang my fucking drum. And, yeah, the reality is is that um, I it's it will be a long time. It's changed. So for those people with a background, every, I don't know, three to five years, different certificates, the, the government mandates that they are reviewed and updated, that they are such cumbersome, um pieces of work and documentation and and stuff that it is really difficult because you make one change say you say you mandate that every fitness professional has to do um, an elective with pre-postnatal that throws all the gyms across the country into a tizzy because then who has to pay for that? Do you know, like you think one small change but has this ripple effect for good and for bad. And so change is difficult. Not that I'm saying it shouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. I certainly got changes with language and um, and I, I made sure that whenever there was a, so the, the updated with stuff that's in there now, whenever you have a, a diagram, it was normally a male body, that there would have to be a female body next to it and any changes, you know, on that dia- diagram model. Yeah. Um, and uh, the language was very gendered. And so, you know, I helped change the language. But huge systemic change. I couldn't get it done. So, okay, it's we're taking bits of the pie, but really, what's going to drive it is um, is the the market. Mm-hmm. Like with any with any sort of thing, isn't you know, if fitness is no different to energy or finance or any other market. When the market demands it, then the industry responds. So if you've got women who are rocking up saying, I just had a baby, where are your qualifications to working with me? We'll start to see change. If women are going through perimenopause, and this is where it's so tricky because they might just think that they are really life is busy because it coincides and it's like a bowl of spaghetti. What What is menopause and what is just work and life fatigue and whatever else is going on? Um, but certainly, you know, if you know you're in perimenopause as well, going to that fitness professional saying, what qualifications have you got to work with me? Because there are times when women can train like young fit men, for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's not 
Not you forever. know, as well. And also it's, it's not in the cycle, you know, like we can even take it to a, the, the period, the menstrual cycle. There are times in that menstrual cycle when you can kick ass and train like you are a young, fit man. And there are other times within that cycle alone, it's not advisable. You know, it's not, it's not that time. So that's just your menstrual cycle. And then you've got your cycle of your reproduction years as well. Pregnancy, postnatal, pregnancy, postnatal, pregnancy, postnatal, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. So, yeah, I think if the market were to demand it more, women got on their big girl's knickers and said, what did, you know, can you show me your qualification? Mm-hmm. And, and, and not something from 1990, with 20, when were we doing those ones that were really yeah, terrible? Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> you know, I, I, should, I should be updated, you know, fairly regularly. There's just been changes, you know, just recently, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, I th- I think um, when I think about the the purpose of this podcast and it, it is we speak to mums and trainers that work with mums and I really love that we've just put the empowerment and the 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 case for change back into the hands of the very people that we're talking to in that if you're a personal trainer listening and you're working with mums, the education that you're putting out there on your social media following, whether you've got 200 followers, 2000 followers, 20,000 followers, if you're educating the marketplace on being able to ask for more, more support, you're empowering mums themselves to come full circle and either work with you or at least go to their gym environment and demand the the care and the you know the support and the the education of the trainers that they're trusting their bodies with i think that you know this whole conversation has has highlighted the fact that there is so much need for change on so many levels from the certifications to what our big box gyms are allowing to happen under their noses when when mums do walk into the gym and then going trainers that know better and mums that now know better you are the army that we need to continue to lead the change and eventually get those people that we need to to listen to listen and make change you know from the top down you know i see us as being the the ants we're we're all coming together we're the army of the ants and we're changing things from the bottom up and and eventually those people or little parts of people will start to listen um and we'll create change from the top down as well as the bottom up yeah and and with that like i was saying before about um changes if you're a personal trainer and you've been training women without any qualifications specifically to to that then you might be feeling right now shame Mm. um that you're doing something wrong and um you know just like i said about that um working with violent men and giving them the kudos is you know like i i understand that when when she told me that i was on the verge of a prolapse all i could think of was like all the women i've been training i've probably been harming because mm. i've been training them exactly how i was taught to train i damaged myself and i was on my way damaging all these other people so there's a, there's a lot of shame that whether you share it or not that like you can feel guilty and so it can be very easy to put it aside and go oh yeah I don't work with women or you know what I'm doing is okay and you know so I respectfully you know look you in the eye and see you as a person and and know that doing things differently when you've done things the same way for a long time can be really really hard um but the benefits are are there so you know it, it can be hard to to do things differently. Mm, I do agree with that. I think we, I always like to come back to the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah, it's no one's and, fault that you don't know. You just simply didn't know until maybe today, or you've been thinking about this for a while and it's like, oh, now this is a kick up your bum to go do something different. Yeah, and, and when we know better, we There's do no judgment better. on our part. Exactly. When <laughs> we know better, we do better. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always learning. Yeah. 
I think that's the, the more that, you know, the more you don't know. And eventually you let yourself off the hook for all the things that you don't know, because you're just like, fuck it. I cannot know everything. And again, (laughs) that's where we, we lean on our women's health and pelvic health physio partners, especially in this space, because we don't know everything. We don't need to know everything. We need to have really great two-way relationships with our women's health physio partners so that we can give our, our mum clients the best possible care. And it's yeah. almost a relief when you go, okay, this is what I know. And what I, it, if I don't know the rest, I'll go find it. I don't need to know it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mish, to start to wrap us up, what, what would one thing, what would you say to a mum that is listening, that is experiencing any, anything that is, is I'm going to say the word normal, or not, not normal for where she was prior to having babies? Uh just go to the doctor, get a referral. You know, if, if money is an issue, um, you know, there are options with, um, through the GP, through the care plan, but you'll need to take the initiative to ask for, because the doctor might not know, your doctor might not know the difference between a physio and a pelvic health physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and, you know, so not everyone at the moment can afford to, and I see that, <laughs> I saw that again, again, I don't think it has changed at all is that women often put their needs be, um, below their children's. Yep. They will make sure that their children has everything um, and they'll get around to, to their own needs whatever is going on, it's much easier to work on it at those beginning stages when something feels a bit funky, can be much more uh, a harder journey later on or by ignoring it. And, and you're worth it. Mm. Your, your babies will grow up and leave home like mine. And then you, but what you will have is the body that you, have got to to keep going to hopefully in your 80s so you know you're doing great things by exercising but if there's other shit going on you know give yourself the gift of working it out yeah I love that and to the trainers that are working with the mums what what would you say to them uh get on board with Jen with (laughs) mums She hasn't, she hasn't paid me to say that. I did not. (laughs) Or asked me to say that. But, um, you know, one of the reasons I just love what Jen has created is it is, you know, it is bringing, it's just making space for everyone. Um, And it's a, it's a movement. I'm just so proud of you, Jen, of what you've done. Um, Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So, but definitely if that's not where you want to be, then obviously the obvious choice is to start with one of my courses. <laughs> cool. Which leads me to, um, one, where can people find you? And two, um, the opportunity to gift something to anyone listening that, listening that wants to find out more about the way that you work or sample some of your goodness. Yeah, sure. So. Um, my website's very easy to find. It's um, mishwright.com, uh, so that's pretty easy. And on there I have um, edu- all my education uh, that I have available. I, I have a lot of courses with fitness education online. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the ones that have CCs are found there. Um, but on my own website, I have uh, a number of masterclasses that don't have CCs, but that I like to call them a quick deep dive. They're about an hour um, and they're a bit of fun and they tackle a topic, um, whether it be periods, menopause, um, the one I'm going to record later today, I've been working on is training to fatigue. So how to work with, and this is not just for trainers, but for um, women, working who who experience fatigue for whatever reason um and then i have my signature course which is evolution which is a course for women now fitness professionals can buy it and use it It doesn't have ccs and that's because it is a program that i've created 
for um for so when I was training women I needed them to know information yeah but when those women turned up to train with me they were not in the headspace to learn so I wish I had this course that I could give them to um to use to learn so they could bring back the information and we could work on it together so it is that learning to read you know, of how to drive your body. And sometimes that's really difficult to teach or to learn in the fitness environment because there's so much going Absolutely. on, especially, especially with young kids. So I haven't told you about this, Jen, but Evolution is going to be launched next month Fantastic. as three different courses. So at the moment you can buy it as the full one. The full one means that it has the three foundation topics, something that all women need to know. Yep. And then the final three are periods, pregnancy, postnatal, and menopause. So there's been feedback that, you know, I'm menopausal. I don't want the You don't need it all the other, once, or you don't need yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, or I've never had children, you know, but uh, we don't want children, menopause is way. So it's going to be evolution light. So, um, and it means the, the top is going to be cheaper too. So let's set up a mum safe um, code. You know, code. Let's do that. And, and get a discount on that. So we I'll will let make sure you know. It's in the notes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so that means for trainers who are listening to this, you can become a partner and on-sell that course. Or if you're listening to this and want to know how to how to learn to read your body, um, you can just go and go and do it yourself. And what I the feedback I've got from trainers is they buy it and it helps them with the words to teaching those concepts of posture, breathing, pelvic floor, you know, movement, because, you know, I'm a teacher. Yep. And we've got a few mum safe trainers that have jumped on your on board of your partnership so that yeah, that, yeah credit credit right. to you, Mish. Thank you for making my first guest podcast experience so pleasant and wonderful. You've been amazing as always. And I one hundred percent appreciate everything that you do and the support that you've given me over the years. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Jen. And and you know, like we've been in this game for a while now. I know. We're about... like <laughs> it's all the Don't young ones coming through now. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to say it but yeah um so you know i like the idea that we are role models for here we were working in competitive businesses mm-hmm. scared um, of each other in our own ways <laughs> in our own way that's right intimidated um and and yet look at us now like and how much more impact we have together as a force absolutely so i lay lay down the gauntlet or I love the it. other um, trainers to embrace their competition and and create the movement. Yeah, and as as we like to say, it's collaboration over competition every step. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Take care. If you're listening to this podcast in real time, you may or may not know that we're both celebrating our podcast launch and the launch of our brand new MumSafe trainer offering. If you're a trainer that works with mums and wants to be known as the go-to trainer for mums in your area, you need to head to www.jendugard.com forward slash MumSafe trainer and find out more. I'll see you there. Thank you so much for being with us for this episode today. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure to have one more conversation that takes us closer to our goal of safe and effective exercise for all women at every stage of motherhood. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please make sure you hit follow wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review so more people can join us next time. For further information about anything we've talked about in this episode, head to gendugard.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to connect with me in person, I would love to hear from you over at my Instagram at gendugard. Thank you for your voice in this space. Have a beautiful day. Mm -hmm.